Thanks for joining us for this season finale of the Zachnology Tech Review Podcast. I'm Charlie Jacobs. And I'm Zach Bouchard. Coming up in this season three, episode six, we're going to tell you everything you need to know about EVs or electric vehicles. What are they? What are the different types? How they're becoming more economical? And we'll discuss if they are practical for you. And we'll talk about what's the difference between an EV and a good old hybrid. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Coming up next on the Zachnology Tech Review Podcast. Hey guys, it's Zach here from Zachnology Tech Reviews. If you haven't heard, we have a mobile app now available for Android devices. The Zachnology Tech Reviews app is the easiest way to listen to our podcast, submit voice messages, and access powerful features such as recently played episodes, search, episode recommendations, and quick sharing. You can even enable instant notifications to your device when we release a new episode. To get started, click the app button on our website or search Zachnology Tech Reviews in the Google Play Store. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Zachnology Tech Review Podcast. I'm Charlie Jacobs, joined, as always, by my great partner, Zach Bouchard. So, Zach, it is now June of 2023, which means it has been three years since our first episode as we wrap up this third season before our summer break. So, Zach, how does that feel it i mean you know it feels great i'm really excited uh for season four but it's also been a great uh three years of we've made a ton of episodes uh but i'm also really excited for the next season and to get some more podcast episodes out absolutely and remember if you have any ideas for those future episodes that zach just mentioned make sure to let us know either by text or a voice message on the website or the app as you heard zach say just a few moments ago. So if you were listening to the intro or you read the title, you know the subject of this episode is going to be EVs or electric vehicles. Now, this is something that we've heard a lot more about in the past few years. You know, you see a lot of companies, both innovative companies like Tesla and traditional car companies, you know, Chevy, Ford, entering this electric vehicle market. But despite this, I feel like, Zach, a lot of people, and quite frankly myself, prior to some of our research, like I had a lot of gaps, I feel like, in my knowledge of electric vehicles. So obviously, everyone who's listening knows what an electric vehicle is on the basic level, but let's send it over to our tech guru, Zach, to really break down what an electric vehicle really is. Yeah, so I think we'll just start with the basics of what is uh, an EV, which is the abbreviated the abbreviation for an electric vehicle. So an EV is a vehicle that is powered by an electric motor uh, and draws electricity from a battery, as opposed to um, what most cars have, known as an internal combustion engine. And EVs are also capable of being charged from an external power source, usually you know a charger in your home or in a parking lot, we'll say. Uh, now, one of the other common forms of EVs is known as a hybrid. Many people might be familiar with hybrids. You might have one yourself. Uh, you know, some examples might be Toyota Camrys or RAV4s. Or we can't forget the Prius. The, which the, was of course, the Prius. The first. that was the original. And listen, that we will we will stay unbiased here, not make any comments about Prius drivers, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Prius would be a very good example of a hybrid. Right. So and uh, a hybrid is almost a great way to uh, ease your way into 
the world of EVs because it allows you to have the best of both worlds. You have both uh, a gas-powered engine as well as an electric-powered motor, and your car will switch between them uh, based on many different conditions, you know, uh, just driving conditions where you're driving climate uh, road conditions uh, as well as how much power you have left in the battery how fast you're going but the car will switch between them automatically uh, and that will allow you to get the benefits of you know saving costs on gas while also having the range uh, that traditional gas-powered vehicles have uh, but it seems now in the future we're moving even more away from hybrids and towards uh, flow-blown EVs as the technology uh, gets better and better and allows them to compete more uh, with normal gas-powered cars. Well, when you talk about competing, Zach, I, I think we have to talk about, you know, on at least at a basic level, the downsides of electric vehicles because everything you just said is a positive. And you think in that case, well, why aren't there electric vehicles everywhere? And I'm sure many of our listeners... Uh, you know, who are vehicle owners and at some point vehicle shoppers, whether they like it or not, in the market for a vehicle, will notice the main thing that turns people away from EVs is the starting price. You know, you mentioned while well, you might save money on gas, obviously, because an electric vehicle doesn't use any gas. It's just a fact, at least at this point in time, that electric vehicles are much more expensive. Now, uh, a year or two ago, uh, Ford announced that they were going to make an electric version of their most popular pickup truck called the uh, F-150 Lightning, which, first of all, I think is interesting because when you think of you know someone who would want a pickup truck, you don't really think of someone who would want an electric vehicle. And, and it's interesting to see how, how they will adapt to these different you know demographics. But a regular Ford F-150, and this is the, the crew cab you know with the two rows, uh, for the 2023 model year, the regular gas car is or truck is $40,000, starts around $40,000. Meanwhile, the F-150 Lightning starts at $60,000. So you're talking about a $20,000 additional investment up front, you know, and whether or not you would make that back in fuel savings, assuming over a five-year period you save a few thousand dollars in gas, maybe you do make that back eventually. But Zach, I think the main downside for people, because the technology is advanced, the point where things like range um, aren't as much of a problem, I, I think at this point in time, price is the biggest issue because if you're getting that F-150 Lightning and, and you know, you're paying $20,000 more up front, you know, regardless of, of any possible money savings along the way, that's just a big turnoff for people, especially you know people maybe in rural America who are buying these pickup trucks aren't gonna wanna spend that much money not to mention, you know, in rural areas, there's not going to be, you know, EV charging stations in the middle of a cornfield. So it's it, it's very interesting to see, um, you know, what people value more: upfront cost, cost savings down the way, the effect on the environment. There's just so many factors, and I think for a lot of people, they don't care about the factors. They just see that bigger price and they say, "No thanks." Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, and that is one of the things we have started to see in recent years, uh, especially with EVs, specifically companies such as uh, Chevy, Hyundai, uh, Nissan, and Tesla. And they've all uh, started to lower their prices, especially on their entry-level EVs. Uh, in last year, in 2022, Chevy lowered the price for the 2023 Bolt and Bolt EUV, cutting about $6,000 per model. Uh, the Leaf 
Nissan Leaf dropped from 31,000 to 27,000 for 2022, and the Hyundai Kona Electric uh, base uh, base price dropped from 37,000 to 34,000 for the 2022 model year. So we are starting to see uh, better prices on the EVs that are more comparable to gas-powered vehicles, and uh, many, you know, you can get federal tax credits for owning an EV, as well as state, city, and um, utility company rebates, which will also help offset the increased price. Uh, and on top of that, it is actually estimated that by 2025, EVs and gas-powered cars will cost about the same. Whether or not that actually happens, I'm a little skeptical, but... Right, You know, it's definitely, we're moving down a good path in terms of the prices. And Zach, you know, I think we've already seen that difference in cost shrinking. And if you look at the history of electric vehicles, you know, it really shows why. Now, you know, since the automobile was created in the late 1800s, people have always had an interest in electrifying said vehicles. And that interest never really wavered. There was just some major barriers that prevented electric cars from ever becoming mainstream during the last century, you know, namely high cost, uh, not always super efficient, ironically, um, and low range is something that's really interesting. And now in the late 1900s, actually in the mid 1990s, is when we see the first mass produced vehicle, which is created by General Motors called the EV1. Now this is very experimental. It was only available to a small group of people on California and Arizona uh, by a lease agreement. No one actually owned an EV1. And after just one uh, lease term, uh, which was just a few years, um, General Motors reclaimed all of the vehicles and actually destroyed all of them. And they kept a few but permanently disabled them, which is really interesting. And it is widely speculated, it was even the uh, subject of a movie that was made about 15 years ago, uh, that General Motors actually tried to sabotage their own car and essentially uh, tried to show that uh, electric vehicles were not the future by showing, oh, people didn't like them, they didn't work like we expected. Um, and it's also believed that there was possibly an oil lobby uh, behind them. Uh, so, so that's really interesting to see that, you know, and there was also a, a law in California that uh, encouraged General Motors uh, to create this electric vehicle to boost their gas car sales. So, you know, very different from what we see about 10 years later in the late 2000s, which is when we see, I think, the Chevy Volt uh, is launched um, in the Nissan Leaf, you know, in, like I said, in the late 2000s, um, when we really start to see mass production EVs that are actually meant to be owned by people and not meant to sabotage the idea of EVs themselves. So I thought that was just a really interesting uh, snippet there. And now recently, oil companies have actually been taking a completely different approach, um, and that is they're investing heavily in charging stations. Now there's two kind of sides to this. The cynics apparently are widely saying that the companies are trying to slow innovation in the electric charging market and gain a monopoly in that as they do in the oil industry. Well, other people are saying that these companies are, you know, they're trying to enter this market and, and make money with the EV charging, but they really are thinking about the environment to some extent and innovation to some extent. So, you know, we'll leave our, our listeners to make that that decision. And the oil companies, from their perspective, do have a legitimate reason to be worried. Now, uh, per Bloomberg, um, apparently electric vehicles on the road today are displacing 1.5 million barrels of oil a day. And by 2050, uh, it could be 21 million barrels of oil a day. 
Now, I'm not, I don't work for Exxon or for Shell or anything, Zach. I'm, I'm not uh, defending the oil company. I'm just merely stating that fact, which is, I think, the biggest argument in this entire subject, which is, is the environment or money more important? Because obviously electric vehicles are going to stifle the oil market uh, at, at a cost, but a positive cost on the environment. And Zach, I think that obviously uh, there's not going to be, the the argument will not be fine cut one way or the other. No matter who wins, there's going to be middle ground, I think, is where we're going to end up in this argument. And I think that's really where people are right now, is the, do, do, do A, companies, and B, more importantly, the average consumer, you know, do I, if I'm going to the car dealership and I, I, am I willing to pay $10,000 more for the environment or am I more worried about my my wallet? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really where some of those federal tax credits come into play. It's a good way uh, to give people an extra boost of motivation as to here's why you should adopt an EV or, or go out and purchase an EV and ultimately increase demand for that now will, you know, get car companies to lower prices and then in the long run, that will result in a widespread adoption of EVs, which is the end goal here. Well, Zach, I, I think you phrased that very well, and this bridges really well on the next thing I wanted to mention, which you're mentioning how uh, the, the tax credit specifically will increase demand. Well, what we're seeing, uh, especially as of the last few years, is companies aren't as worried about demand. They're simply just increasing supply, which is very interesting. And General Motors, despite the whole uh, EV1 uh, scandal 20 you know plus years ago, GM is going all out on EVs. I remember the Super Bowl, I think 2022, um, is where they kind of made that big announcement about how we're going all all out EVs. So their first attempt, uh, first big attempt was the Chevy Bolt in 2016, which is different than the Chevy Volt, I think, right? Aren't they two, they're they two, different, two cars, different cars, I think. It's very confusing. Um, but the Chevy Bolt, not the Volt, the Bolt with a B, <laughs> is really where they, they started to find kind of their first commercial success. And by 2021, sales actually peaked. And then there was a, a big battery fire issue with the lithium-ion batteries, which kind of ruined their reputation. Uh, and, and GM saw some potential in that, but that's just one car that they found good success with. Um, and GM is claiming that they will take over as the leader of electric vehicles, I guess, in terms of cars manufactured or sold from Tesla, the current leader, by 2025, which two years away. And they announced that through a series of new EVs. They're bringing back the Hummer. It's going to be uh, part of GMC this time, the GMC Hummer EV. Cadillac announced a new EV called Lyric. Um, Obviously, the Bolt will continue. And here's interesting. While a lot of these companies will make something we haven't talked about yet, Zach, is a lot of these companies the EVs they've made are their own car, right? This the, the Chevy Bolt is only an EV and it was created to be an EV. But what they're doing with this new campaign is they're turning uh, you know, versions of, of pre-existing models into EVs. The Chevy Blazer EV, the Silverado EV, the Equinox EV. So what this is doing is not creating more futuristic cars that might seem out of touch to the average person. Rather, they are taking, you know, classic staples you know of american life the chevy equinox i don't know if you call it a staple of american life that might be a bold statement zach but but taking a cars that people know 
from a brand people trust and making those into EVs. You know what I mean? So Zach, do you get what I mean about increasing supply rather than waiting for demand to increase? No, yeah, absolutely. And you make a good point about, you know, uh, creating new versions of old models. And I think especially in the world of EVs, for many consumers, it seems like it's this vast new uh, unknown world of cars. And so I think if you give the EVs a familiar name, a familiar look and feel, it's going to it's gonna give consumers better sense of security that they're buying you know, a well-known car. It's just a newer version of it. It, it gives them and a also sense kind of familiarity. Of a, yes, a sense of familiarity, a sense of normalcy, kind of. And I, I think there is a factor here. There is a group of people who just doesn't, you know, doesn't want to uh, to change, you know, the type of car they get in a way, kind of their lifestyle, because it, it could be a pretty big change, you know. There might be some people who say, you know, I've driven a gas car my whole life. I, I'm not going to get one of these EVs. But when these new cars, like I said, the Equinox, the Silverado, right now, when these look like the cars they're used to the only you know what i mean it, it i completely agree that people are more likely to get it because it's not that much different it doesn't look any different for the most part the only difference is that it has a, a charging port instead of a uh, a gas in, in a, a gas you know what do you call it the place what do you call that thing that uh, um... gas uh where do you put that the nozzle in i don't know <laughs> anyways um but, but and this also comes back to the hybrid debate, which is, um, you know, you still have that security of putting gas into the car. So some people who probably don't trust the electric technology. So I think that they're real between hybrids and EVs, plug-in hybrids, whatnot. I think, at least in my opinion, there is an option for everybody. Absolutely, and again, that's one of the uh, great things about this EV adoption we're in now is that it's not just we're going. F- to flow-blown EVs, we are, it is more of a gradual transition. Like I said, we have these hybrids, and so I think it's definitely making the transition to EVs easier for a lot of people. Okay, so Zach, I want to talk, well, I really just quickly want to, want to say again, um, we, I remember how I mentioned that the EV1, that concept car, um, had a range of something like 50 to 100 miles. Um, so, so that is really what EVs looked like up until uh recent history and now many evs can go well over 300 miles most uh you know, in terms of range on a full charge all the tesla models can go around 350 miles um meanwhile some of the cheaper evs like the nissan leaf which is under thirty thousand, can only go 150 miles so i think you do see a big factor here is price and range with evs um but EVs also, interestingly, now have some of the fastest acceleration. You know, like the Prius is not known as a hybrid. <laughs> I'll stop jabbing at the Prius here, but the Prius is not known for its quick acceleration. Um, but but Teslas have crazy acceleration. The Tesla Model S Plaid Edition, they call it. Um, I know it's on our notes. I spelled edition the, the wrong way, Zach. But it can go zero to 60 in two seconds, which is really impressive. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and I think going back to the the um, topic of range, uh, that also raises another uh, issue for many people, which is charging your car. And how do you charge it? Where are you going to charge it? How much does it cost? Now, I think one of the important things 
to know about, I guess, at the most basic level for purchasing an EV is what the charging levels are. You have three, uh, three charging levels. Level one is the most basic. It uses a standard 120 volt household outlet to charge your vehicle. Uh, and each of these levels is, um, you know, it, they increase with power. Just so level one is the lowest amount of power. It's a 120 volt household outlet. Uh, and it's the most convenient because it allows you to plug your EV into any outlet, uh, just a standard plug you might have in your garage. The, the downside of it is that it's incredibly slow to charge. So uh, it'll add about two to four miles of range to your battery for every hour that you charge it. Now this depends on the efficiency of your electric vehicle, but that's just on average. So it could take about 40 hours to fully charge uh, a standard EV on level one charging. Uh, if you have a plug-in hybrid, which is uh, a hybrid car like we talked about earlier that actually allows you to charge it by plugging it in as well. Most hybrids only charge using regenerative braking and coasting. They charge off the battery, or sorry, they charge off the engine's excess energy and that fuels the battery. Plug-in hybrids also allow you to plug it in. Plug-in hybrids can charge uh, on level one in about 12 hours because of their reduced battery capacity. But just across the board, level one is gonna be very slow charging and you're typically only gonna find it in, you know, in your home. Now, one thing to note uh, that's very important about level one charging is that you should never plug a level one charger into an extension cord. It may be tempting because you could move your car farther away from the outlet, but actually the uh, additional length of the cable creates more resistance and that could cause the equipment or the cord to overheat and fault out, and it could damage a lot of components of your EV. Now, the most common level of EV charging is known as level two charging. This uses 240 volt power, so this is much higher than your standard US um, outlet. Now, many US homes still have 240 volt power. You're just not gonna find it on a standard outlet. You're gonna need to have special wiring for it. Now, this will also charge at three to four times the amperage of level one, which means it's gonna have six to eight times the charging speed of level one. It, obviously, again, depending on your vehicle's efficiency and the charging equipment, that all plays a big part in how fast it charges, but it'll typically take anywhere from six to 12 hours to fully charge an EV uh, from empty on level two. Now, it is recommended that most to any pretty much all EV owners install a level two charger in their home, mainly just because of how much faster it charges. Uh, though this will require additional equipment that you'll have to purchase online, and you will need to consult an electrician to make sure your home's power system will be able to handle the higher voltage charger. You may even need to get a special plug installed in your garage to charge it. Some newer construction homes may have it, but if you do not have it, you'll need to consult an electrician for that. You know, that's actually interesting, Zach. We're doing a big addition to our house right now, um, as you know. And when uh, the, the garage guys were coming to build the garage, I remember they actually asked my dad something about, uh, did you want the EV charging built in, which is really interesting. Also, Zach, I know your family has the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. Um, so... I know you guys have at-home charging, right? So do you have a level two system? No, we use level one. And Ooh, yeah, well, we don't we don't have uh, 240 volt power running out to the garage right now. 
But level 1 charging actually works well because it's a plug-in hybrid so it doesn't have as much battery capacity, it doesn't take as long to charge, so you plug it in overnight and it's fully charged by the morning, usually. So that it, it works well. Uh, but going back to the level 2, again, like I said, this is the most commonly found one, mainly because it's recommended that all EV owners install it in their home, and it's the most common uh, type of charger that you'll find in public uh, places. So if you've seen EV chargers in parking lots, or in parking garages, they're starting to pop up more recently now. Uh, those are typically going to be level 2 chargers as well. Now, the final one we have is level 3. This was created a little bit more recently, uh, and the big change is that it operates on DC current as opposed to AC, found on level 1 and 2. So this will use DC current, and it can operate on anywhere from 400 to 800 volts. And because of this, it can add 100 to 250 miles to your range in just 30 to 45 minutes. So that's why it's super great for road trips because you could basically fully charge your EV in under an hour. Now these are becoming increasingly more common, uh, especially within Tesla's supercharger network, uh, but companies such as EVgo and Electrify America have also started adding level three chargers to their networks. Now the charge rate for these is going to vary uh, dramatically depending on what car you have and how much power it can handle. So if your charging equipment within the car is suited for level 3, you will get the benefits of level 3 charging. But if it can't handle as much, then you might slow it might slow you down to something just above level 2 or really anywhere in between the two. Again, it depends on your car. Now, many vehicles will also slow the charge after 80% to overheating. This is why it's recommended that when you go on a road trip, you only charge it up to 80%. And it does this, uh, like I said, to prevent overheating. But as a result of this, charging from 80 to 100% on a level three may take as long as it takes to charge from 10 to 80%. So that 20% at the end, is the same yeah. as 70% in the beginning. So, and I again, think it's also, just... go ahead. Well, so, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off there, Zach, but I, I, it's also, I just want to say, interestingly, your iPhone actually did the same thing. Um, we won't get into an iPhone versus Android debate here, Zach. <laughs> but when you plug your iPhone in, it actually will stay at 80% until uh, it knows like an hour before you wake up or something like that. And I think that's to say battery life. Batteries uh, last longer, perform better when they're not at 100%. Um, and that's something interesting. It also goes into something I'll talk about in a few minutes, which is kind of a, a road trip EV versus an around town EV, which is kind of an interesting thing to look about. What were you saying though, Zach, about level three? Oh, no, but well, just that, and you're absolutely right. Phones have it too. Androids have it too. And it's a great way to preserve long-term battery life. Especially, oh, Androids have it too. Okay. Well, but that's especially important on EVs where, you know, bat replacing a battery could be expensive. You want to get as much life out of that as possible. So maintaining long-term battery life is really important. Now, it's not just specific to level three. It's going to happen on level two as well. It's just going to be more noticeable on level three because charging from 10 to 80% is going to be really fast, and then it's going to slow down significantly. So it's just going to be more noticeable. Uh, now, level three, you are probably never going to find in a home because charging equipment can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Literally, the charging equipment can cost more than the car itself. It'll also require extremely high voltages, which are rarely, rarely, rarely found in homes, so you're you're almost never going to see a level charger in a home. Um, that's why level two is recommended if you choose to put, you know, a charger in your garage. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, Zach, one thing I want to mention quickly is, like I mentioned, kind of that around town EV versus a road trip EV. And this is really kind of when you go back to the practicality standpoint. You know, if you live in the middle of a rural area, you go on long drives um, and you do want an EV, you would probably want something like that Tesla where you get a 350 mile range. When I was talking about something like the Nissan Leaf that can go 150 miles, if you live in an urban area, you go on very short drives, you could get a very cheap EV for under $30,000. Um, you just plug in every night and you don't drive that many miles. So that's never an issue. You probably won't ever have to charge outside of your home. So there, there really are different, uh, there's different equipment uh, at different prices for different parts of the market. And, and something really interesting that I kind of was thinking about, it's not super scientific, is that I think one company in particular stands out in the whole EV thing. And of course, that is Tesla. So however you feel about Elon Musk, you have to admit, you know, Tesla has completely changed uh, the the automobile landscape in the United States. And I think in a way they've almost kind of made it more trendy. You know what I mean? Because you see lots of young people, uh, really people of all ages um, who like Tesla. And it's not something that people kind of look at as, oh, this is so different. I don't know how I feel about this. People like having Teslas. They think it's cool to have a Tesla. So I think that whether that was the intention or not of a Tesla, I think that company in particular has really opened up this market in terms of making people, uh, you know, more willing to, to enter the market. And then Tesla's also lowered their prices a lot uh, through, you know, we were discussing this, uh, Zach, economies of scale, which is where Tesla has been able to make so many of these cars that they've been able to drag down the price dramatically from where it was at, where, you know, in 2013, 14, maybe when they launched, I mean, when, when I saw Tesla, I would say to whoever's next to me, hey, there's a Tesla. You know, that was crazy when you saw one on the street because they were kind of, uh, you know, the type of thing that, you know, really at that point, only the pretty wealthy could afford. And now I think you can see a lot of Americans can afford Teslas. And no matter where you go around the country, you see them all the time. And, you know, it's the same as seeing a, a, a Honda Accord. You don't really think anything of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, you know, Tesla's being considered trendy has absolutely helped the adoption of EVs, and I think it's definitely a blessing for the uh, EV market. But also, I think another thing that's helped the widespread adoption of EVs and is ultimately uh, a large driving factor for many prospective EV owners is the fuel and maintenance costs. Now, I'll start with the fuel costs. In 2020, Consumer Reports conducted a study and they found that EV owners, on average, spend 60% less on fuel compared to internal combustion engine vehicle owners. Uh, and the study included the average usage and cost of commercial charging stations. These are the charging stations that you'll find in parking lots, parking garages, other facilities such, uh, such as those. Uh, and these typically cost about $10 to $40 to fully charge a 60 kilowatt hour car. That's from zero to about 80%. Now, it's important to note where you're going to be charging because these commercial charging stations are typically going to cost a lot more than if you were to charge at home, uh, about two to three times more. Uh, so charging at home, they found that the average owner only spends about $25 a month to charge their EV. Now, these electricity prices will obviously vary depending on where you live, but just on average, it's about $25 a month. Now, 
it depends on where you're driving, of course. You know, long long road trips versus city driving. If you're just doing city driving, you might be charging at home more often. Longer road trips, you may be utilizing these commercial charging stations. Regardless, across the board, EV owners are spending a lot less on fuel than gas-powered owners are. And I think that's definitely a huge factor for people who are looking to purchase an EV. And also, maintenance costs are significantly lower on EVs since they have fewer parts than gas-filled cars. They have no oil to change. There's no spark plugs. So service costs are going to be a lot less, specifically 31% lower on average. That's a huge difference when you take into account you know, the amount of times you have to take into your car and then you add the fuel costs onto that. So there's a lot of savings attached to the car after you purchase it. Even if that initial purchase is more than you would typically spend, you may save money over time on that. And that's becoming more and more the case because whereas 10 years ago, if it was a dollar difference, you would have to have that EV for a lot longer to make up the cost. But if we're at the point now where it might only be ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 more and you know, we could see in a few years that they're the same uh, price, what that means essentially is that uh, the more the, the closer they get in price, the less time you'll have to have that car for the savings to make up for themselves. Right, absolutely. And I think that's like you said, that's the path we're working towards is, you know, breaking even on the, you know, EV versus gas powered um, prices. And I think ultimately after that, that's when uh, adoption of EVs is really going to skyrocket. And hopefully it will, because, you know, there's so many benefits to EVs. Uh, personally, I think what's cool is how quiet they are on the road when it's running the electric motor and you're in the vehicle you do not hear it at all and it's really nice uh, on the outside i guess i don't know if i'd consider it a benefit because one way people <laughs> look for yeah. cars when they're crossing an intersection is just hearing for the noise and you know you might have people jump out at you because they can't hear your car uh i know our car makes an artificial noise when you're driving down the street yeah so i've noticed that if you're in like people. the if you're like the Whole Foods parking lot, there's a Tesla backing up. It makes like this, like yeah, it, it makes, artificial yeah, whirring it makes a, noise, it makes kind a, of like hissing yeah, it's noise. It's like a low whirring noise. Yep. Um. Which yeah, is so interesting. That's definitely uh, well, and, and that's funny because your uh, one thing is interesting. Your your car, your computer just you just can't put a big noise. It said battery low, kind of a. Uh, nod to the electric cars maybe that's a fear i don't know what happens if you run out of battery yeah that's definitely it's an, it's, it's an interesting question that's definitely I didn't think a, about I, it i'm sure many, your computer said that many people looking into the ev market that's another fear is what happens when you run out of battery again it's it's a similar case with gas-powered cars what happens if you run out of gas but i think there's much higher skepticism across the board for every aspect of how are we going to solve this issue how are we going to make sure this doesn't happen and again it, it goes it's the same with you know safety on the road how are we going to make sure people don't jump out in front of us when we're driving the car? And I think, you know, people are very skeptical about how is this going to impact my driving. But on the other hand, I think companies like Tesla and GM have made adoption a lot easier for people with hybrids or, you know, introducing a sense of familiarity. One thing completely uh, 
forgot to mention, Zach, is the California law, which I just want to mention really quickly, which is interesting. You remember I talked about GM only created the EV1 because of that California law back in the day. Um, and I'm sure most of you heard, so I won't go too deep into this, but you know uh, that I believe uh, sometime in 2022, the state of California announced that all new cars sold in the state of California by 2035 and beyond that need to be zero emission cars, uh, which includes uh, plug-in hybrids, interestingly, so not just pure EVs, uh, fuel cell cars, which is hydrogen, which we didn't really get into, but that's not super prominent. So, Zach, I think there's obviously the people who are going to say this is, you know, the government going too far, um, which is a fair argument. I think it is, you know, it, it is a by far, I think, the boldest EV legislation we've ever seen in terms of them saying every single new car, uh, at least to be bought by the general public, I don't know about businesses, but by the general public, needs to be an EV, which is just crazy. And I think the state of California has really pioneered a lot of this. Like I said, the EV1, I keep mentioning, was only in California. The the FCX Clarity, which was a Honda car uh, from the early 2010s, a fuel cell hydrogen car, that was only in California. So interestingly, that state uh, is really kind of pioneered EVs. And I think um, other states will follow suit. I don't know if if the legislation will be as direct and as strong as it is in California, but I think that they are maybe even decades ahead of where everyone else is in terms of those laws because that is – when I first saw that, I was shocked. You know what I mean? 2036, you go to a car dealership in California, there will not be a single – gasoline powered car there besides maybe some plug-in hybrids but you know not many yeah and i think even if other states don't create legislation similar to california's some states might not you're still going to see that widespread adoption of evs because companies have to follow the laws in california companies are going to make a ton of evs and it's just not worth the cost for them to produce gas-powered cars for other states they're going to roll out evs across the country so if you live in another state, like it or not, you're going to have EVs there as well because of this California legislation. And like you said, I think that has ultimately been a huge driving force for this adoption of EVs across the country. And I, I don't think we would be in the state we are now with EVs if it wasn't for a lot of this California uh, legislation. Yeah, California loves to be different, actually, in a lot of laws, which is pretty interesting. And we'll see if it's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I think it's easy to go, oh, you know, it's a good thing. But you do have to think about all the different facets of the argument. So, you know, I, I hope that I think the goal of this, Zach, was not to tell everyone you need to buy an EV. But I think the goal was kind of uh, for people to maybe next time they're buying a car instead of going, oh, you know, EV, no, to at least think about, oh, you know. There's, we need to think about it. Weigh your options. Um, and, and remember, EVs are becoming more affordable. It's becoming more important, obviously, with the environment. Uh, you know, as, as obviously we learn more about, you know, what's going on um, with the climate and whatnot. So, you know, very interesting argument. So, Zach, uh, just a couple minutes left. Episodes going long. Season three is over. Uh, you know, I maybe we had a couple bloopers at the beginning of this episode. Maybe we'll do a short blooper reel at the end. But um, you know, obviously we'll be back in you know a few weeks or months. Hopefully, you know we'll be back uh, in August. Um, but Zach, any final thoughts about electric vehicles, technology, 
uh, Zachnology app, anything uh, before season three is in the history books. No, but I think, you know, like I said, I'm definitely looking forward to season four, hoping for some fresh ideas over the summer. So we'll have to talk, get some good ideas for episodes, and hopefully it'll be an exciting next season. Yes, TR5, tech news update. Maybe some voice messages. We say it every episode, but we don't get a lot of them. I'm serious. Submit voice messages. Do you want to be on this with us for our tens of thousands of listeners, which might be a bit of an exaggeration, but hey, maybe we'll see that in season four, right, Zach? We do actually have kind of a special announcement. Uh, our Zach oh, no- I was not told Zach- about yeah, this. Yeah, well, I just remembered our Zachnology Tech of It's not that big. Don't get your hopes up. Our Zachnology <laughs> Tech of Use mobile app is now available on the Amazon App Store. So if you have um, div- uh, qualifying, I guess you'd say, models of the Kindle Fire, you might be able to download our app now. I'm not sure which model specifically. Qualifying I'm models, not sure okay. what, which models specifically meet the requirements, but you can go into the App Store and search for our app. Well, check check your Kindle Fires, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe they are eligible. And you can submit voice messages uh, through our app as a reminder. Submit them on the Kindle, right? Read, read a book and uh, submit your voice messages. All righty, well, that is going to wrap it up for Season 3, Episode 6, and the entire Season 3 of the Zachnology Tech Review Podcast in partnership with 173012 News. So for Zach Bouchard and everybody here at Zachnology, I'm Charlie Jacobs. We'll see you next time for Season 4. Copyright 2023 by Subcharlie Enterprises Limited Liability Company All Rights Reserved. Subcharlie has received paid compensation from Spotify Technology SA. Visit our website to view our privacy policy and terms.